my friends who listen to Future Primitive. I'm uh, I'm excited today to be with Justine Toms, DHL. She is the co-founder and executive director of New Dimensions Radio. Since 1973, Justine Willis-Toms has been exploring personal, social, and spiritual transformation through her work as an electronic journalist, editor, and writer. She is the co-founder, managing producer, and host of New Dimensions Radio and Media. New Dimensions is an internationally syndicated radio series featuring dialogues addressing the history of the future with the world's most visionary wisdom leaders. I mean, I could say a lot more about you, Justine, but I don't want to take up the precious time we are we have together. What I would ask you is if you'd like to tell our listeners a few other things about your um, what you've done in your life, that would be good. Oh, thank you so much for that opportunity and for the opportunity to be with both you, Joanna, and Jose. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to our deep conversation. And for me, uh, my radio work, I must say that, you know, my broadcasting work has led me on a wonderful path of exploration, and it it keeps me on the path. And I just recently realized uh, I was part of a group that we've been meeting for a year. Uh, we're uh, well into it. We're two-thirds of the way into it, and it's called A Year to Live, and we're looking at the Stephen Levine book. Wow. And, and so we're going through that process, and we meet every every week. Uh, no, every month, excuse me, not every week, but every month. And uh, in this time, we, we're going to be meeting this week and looking up and, and bringing our what we call our obituary and what it is that we would like to be known for. And uh, I noticed as I wrote up mine, I noticed I wrote up all the radio work and all the people that I've met and the books that I've written and co-written with my partner, Michael Toms, who has now passed on, and, and the many articles I've done on all of that work, the travels, but what I, at the very end of the obituary, um, I wrote what was the most important to me, what, what I, I really honor and treasure the most about my life. And that's um, my uh, ability or gift, I would say, or being graced with the ability to keep my borders open and to keep on lifelong learning, to keep exploring, to keep wondering, to keep that that piece of wonder and awe active in my life. And that's what I'm most proud of, that um, my life is not set up its tent on one particular 
place on the planet or, or idea of the planet, but it's been mine to continue to explore. Now, that may not be for everyone. I'm not saying that that's better than anybody else who has found a particular place that really nourishes them and they can contribute to life to the planet in in ways because of that. So I'm not putting that down in any way, shape, or form. But for me, it's it, I I value this lifelong learning. It's been part of my process. And, it, you know, if we, if we all come into life with a gift or certain personality attributes, mine is to be in great curiosity. So that's, to, I don't know if that really answers your question, but it's, it's what's on my mind at the moment. Oh, it, it answers it beautifully. And, uh, and uh, in, uh, in those ways... It makes us sisters, and you've certainly been an inspiration to me. And so I'd like to mention, in uh, 11 years of interviewing people, I was thinking while you were talking, it's really restored me to a love or taught me a love of the planet herself that... I didn't have before the people who who I've been so honored to interview have penetrated me with a, uh, a love of the interconnection of us all and mainly our interconnection with the planet. Oh, I, I, I so resonate with what you are saying there that that we we. As, as I have gone on, let's see, it's been over 40 years now of interviewing people, and I, I too, subscribe to the same idea that more and more it's becoming apparent how we are absolutely interconnected. And this is, this is, uh, this really can be pointed out so, so easily with that uh, idea of the, the entelechy that, that the caterpillar has uh, to become the butterfly and the imagine, imaginal cells yes. that come together as, as it, as it liquefies in the cocoon. And these imaginal cells come get start to gather together, and then they start to form this butterfly. And there are those who say, uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard being one, and mm-hmm. others, maybe Amadeus Judas, uh, and others talk about how each one of us on the macro level are an imaginal cells that are coalescing together. Because it's it's important in these times that we realize our interconnection and find one another, and work with one another, that that for this betterment of the planet for for all species and all the children of all the species for all time, and that's what what we're doing. We're we're now coalescing as each one of us in our is an imagine imaginal cell coming together 
uh, you, Joanna, and me, Justine, and Jose, and mm-hmm. all your guests, and and we're just coming together to to really imagine together and move toward this evolution of consciousness. Beautiful, beautiful. And um, where I first heard of imaginal cells was from Elizabeth Sartouris. Oh, right. So I Elizabeth, just, I should have mentioned I her, I just too. want to mention her because she's, uh, she's such a wonderful Oh, I, I'm uh, so glad you mentioned her because actually... Um, I first heard from her and Willis Harmon of this this whole right, idea right. of the uh, imaginal cells. So thank you for mentioning her. I, I, I was remiss in not mentioning no, no. her. So I'm excited to ask you, Justine, you've had a really exquisite place of perspective to experience this change of paradigm that's been happening in the last 40, 50 years. And uh, I know it's a very broad question, but with all your conversations with people, you've really witnessed the change from uh, from the tightness of the 50s to the openness of consciousness that exists now among certain people. Can you can you say how you've lived that? What how you've seen that change happen? Well, I feel the change. I, I can feel the change. I have to, Joanna and Jose, remind myself that that change is happening because there is with with all the information that is coming through the pipeline right now that would want to discourage us and lead us to fear and despair. So I I must say that it's really important to, to look for those places that are not being reported in mainstream media and see that their change is upon us. It is happening. But it's not so apparent because there are those that would have us not believe that it's happening. There are those uh, that our attention, just the way our brains work, our attention gets attracted by by that moving target, by by the newest upsetting news that we we get more attracted. It's our, our natural tendency as human beings to be more attracted to that than to the more positive images. And so, I, I would say it's my experience in the work that I do to sit down with people and to talk about these things, it just keeps me open and keeps me understanding that this landscape is absolutely expanding. I mean, you can just take, let's take, for example, years ago in the 50s, early 60s, late 60s, I remember when we first started New Dimensions in 1973, uh, holistic health was a, you know, uh, a sideline. It was like laughable. And now it's like mainstream. I mean, my, my HMO, 
you know, really subscribes to so many of the things that we talked about in the early 70s in, in health and health care and how the, the mind, body, spirit are all connected. And my, my, uh, I know I had a knee operation and my, my doctor gave me a, a, uh, uh, vision CD, uh, by, uh, Bell Ruth Napperstack, and I'm thinking, wow, we interviewed her and started interviewing her in the early 70s, and now here she is, mainstream, where my 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 mainstream doctors handed me a CD and said, you might want to do this vision before and visualize before the surgery. It, it, it will help to for the healing process and for surgery to go well. What an amazement! What an amazement! There is, there is. So we need to look for those things where we feel that things have shifted. You just look, um, um, birth without violence. We were interviewing yes. Frederick Lebelier oh, wow. back in the early seventies, and at that time, birthing was happening in a uh, surgical amphitheater as if it's what was an emergency. And now, there isn't a hospital that doesn't have a birth center where you can have a natural natural birth or even a home birth with midwives so these are, are just a couple of things that that Beautiful. have been yeah. shifting and changing and there's so many more uh, the micro lending with uh, people I mean I just got a catalog it was so wonderful from uh, India and these women who are working in India and they they have joined together in a co-op, and they just do beautiful, beautiful uh, needlework and and making these beautiful clothes and dyeing the clothes and putting them together. And so, and and now I can here in the United States can tap into that and and wear something so beautifully made by hand from a, a woman in India, yeah. and I know her name. She even put her name on the card, and it it just uh, uh, these things are so exciting and inspiring and uplifting but joanna and jose we need to look for them because the 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 way that social media is going and the internet and also the news is is just like bombarding us with so much negativity and and it's good to be to know what's going on. I'm not saying that we shouldn't know. We 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 should be aware of what's going on. Just like the hurricane that uh, Maria that just hit um, mm-hmm. San Jose. I mean uh, 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 Puerto Rico. And so it's really important that we see that message. These people are in trouble right now, right in this very moment. They need our help. And so it's wonderful that we can respond as, as a collective and, and help out here uh, in, in, in ways that we can, where we can have an influence. Right. And it's important to do that. So uh, that's a little bit of a overview for me of how I realize that things are changing for the better. And I must say that the interviews that I do on a weekly basis, they, for me, are a spiritual practice. I have the, the grace and the honor 
to be living in a place where many of these people come through the San Francisco Bay Area. And so since the beginning, we have done all of our interviews, as we call them, in studio, face-to-face, breath-to-breath, heart-to-heart. So uh, we're sitting down with these people and it, it, to sit down and breathe together and be together is, is such an enormous privilege and p- pleasure for me. And it keeps me on track. It keeps me inspired. And I think just like you and Jose, Joanna, uh, you have microphones here so that we can have this kind of conversation and others get to listen in on it. And it's it's just what a marvelous good use of technology. I, I, I just absolutely love it, and you've inspired me to see maybe today because what uh, what inspired us to start this is during the George Bush era. Uh, I was complaining about the media a lot. And so somebody sent me a book called We the Media. And uh, as soon as I saw that you could do podcasts, I thought, well, we can have our own radio station now. Each one of us can have our own radio station. And in fact, it's caught on big time podcasting in the last 11 years. So That's right. That's right. What I... Anybody can do it, and and it's just uh, so, you know, searching out these wonderful, inspiring programs such as uh, yours, the uh, Future Primitive, is so wonderful. So people can just uh, find these these wonderful podcasts, uh, the uh being human is another, and new dimensions is another. So, you know, we, we just use all of this technology. I know when we first started, uh, we started primarily on radio, and that exclusively on radio. And then through the years, as the Internet developed, and now, now we continue to work with radio, but we also do uh, – podcasting and and also we have um, we have our archive that we've we've been digitizing so we have over 1500 programs oh, that great. that in our archive that people can download from our website and that's uh, just may I mention newdimensions.org if people are yes, interested yes of course yeah. of course and and we will mention it in the intro as well Thank you. Um, I mean, yes, I remember way back when I was in my 20s and I was involved with Timothy Leary and he was in prison and I used to go often to KPFA and to speak about his imprisonment. And uh, I just have always, always loved radio. And... Whatever. Right, exactly, and and I, you know, it was wonderful when we were able to sit down with Timothy and also Ram Das and others. Uh-huh. And I, I just was going through. Uh, we were going through some of the programs that we would like to uh, digitize, and one one of the programs, uh, which was I think it was either a two hour program or a four hour, I can't remember, uh-huh. but it's called LSD a Generation Later. And we were we were able to go down to UC Santa Cruz, University of Santa mm, Cruz, sure. Cruz, which is part of the California University network of 
of universities, and uh, it was the it was when the when Timothy just got out of jail, and he and Ram Dass met for the first time since he was out of jail, and Allen Ginsberg was there, and. John Lilly was there, Ralph Metzner, everybody. All these people were there, and we were able to tape that whole colloquium. And and then we edited it to uh, and aired it on KQED-FM uh, called LSD uh, a generation later. So I'm really looking forward to pulling that out of the archive and having it digitized so it will be more available in in to everybody because that's such a historical piece and right yeah it's it's really these these things are important um to to know uh and i know through the years we've done many interviews with different people on shamanism and you know including people like angie arian and hank mm-hmm. wesselman and and others that we've we've done through the years so it's been just a, such a privilege to to work with these people. Do you think that uh, psychedelics, entheogens, and plant medicines have had a positive change, have uh, created positive change in our society? I I personally do. I personally do. I know. Uh, the, the first time that I ever uh, in, had a, a psychedelic experience, it really moved my my uh, my thoughts about maybe reality isn't all that we think it is. Mm-hmm. That that there's something else going on here, uh, and it helped me to really open up my thinking. And I know that that now it's. I, I was just with uh, Jim Fadiman and Ralph Metzner over the weekend, and uh, these are two pioneers in the whole psychedelic uh, movement. Yes, and uh, and both of them have written about it, and and uh, it was mentioned how now the the idea of the therapeutic benefit. Of psychedelics and and uh, other uh, not only psychedelics but the empath empath sort of uh, substances uh, are are being studied again and being useful in therapeutic situations like with PTSD and things like that and they're just discovering that these things are very helpful and and I, I just I want to say that any of the psychedelic experiences that I have had have not been for recreation purposes they yes. have been to they've been guided they have been for deep um, deep exploration in my own consciousness and my own uh, healing and that's I've just had the privilege of working with some wonderful people to to help me use these in a very uh, uh, responsible way so uh, I, I just want to make that caveat that they can be very very helpful in that way but uh, using them strictly for Recreation. Recreation. Yeah. It, it, uh, I, I, I'm. I'm just not 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 advocating that as much as I'm. I'm 
saying if, you know, under the proper, proper circumstances, it, they can be very, very useful. And we all know how marijuana has been very useful for people who are going through chemotherapy and things like that. And, and even looking at the shift that's happened, so many states have made uh, it uh, legal, even though I guess um, nationally it's, it's not legal. Uh, and we still fight that fight. But you know, it's just inevitable that that this will continue to open up. I, w I was uh, thinking that um, all life should be taken seriously, but lightly. Uh, yeah. Very, very nice. Very nice. I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking that mm -hmm. it's. It's really important to, to know that celebration is important. It's one of the Thanks precepts of, of I, I feel that there are, you know, five, I, I look at five different areas that I feel are really important in my life. And the last one is uh, to celebrate fiercely and um, that it's really important to celebrate the small details we've accomplished in our, our life as we move towards our bigger goals because uh, looking at that and keeping that in mind uh, keeps us inspired. And uh, I can remember the words of Bill McDonough, William McDonough, who is an anticipatory design architect and uh lineage of Bucky Fuller, and he's the one who has written the book with his partner, Cradle to Cradle, re-looking at how we make things. And um, he has said one time, he said to Michael and I, he said that it's it's time to take to celebrate our, our small and large accomplishments, and those who celebrate the most are the true evolutionary winners, because nature is all about fierce celebration. So uh, I think it's important to add that to to what we are expressing in our lives. Celebration is really important. As far as being active uh, socially and politically, but to anchor ourselves in some spiritual practice so that we can uh, be active without burning ourselves out. So it's important to to be active, but to also take care of ourselves spiritually and um, to uh, also being in nature and using animals and, and nature and the trees and the plants uh, to be, we're so dominated by our human voices that uh, it's so important to be out in nature and use nature as a teacher and walk walk barefoot in the in the in the mm -hmm. on the beach or in the grass and uh, that's really important and and I think one of the most important things and we said this at the top of the interview was to um, develop a strong sense of community through friends of the heart who support us in our fullness. I can't tell you, Joanna and Jose, how important it is to develop uh, circles of friends. Um, and I have this in my book, Small Pleasures, Finding Grace mm -hmm. in a Chaotic World, uh, how to, to get together with friends and how to 
to really make sure that we we do this regularly, that we develop history together, that we support one another, that we see one another yes. as we go through these trials and tribulations in our lives, as we go through grief, as we go through divorce, as we go through the death of our parents or, or our siblings or our children, as we go through all of life's different rituals that inevitably happen that are out of our control. So to do it with others and to hold each other during that process is so important. I was wondering, Justine, after being exposed to so many visionary thoughts and, um, and different philosophies, what has your spiritual life and your spiritual uh, ideas, what have they evolved to be? What a great question. Thank you so much. You know, I, I for me, I, I've always had a kind of spiritual enthusiasm. Yeah, I was just born with that, that I went, my family, they were Episcopalian, uh, and so that was a church that I went to, but they they did not really go to church very much, and I would search out a ride from a neighbor to go to church because it just i it just really spoke to me i i could i really resonated with it and then uh that was um I grew up in the north shore of Chicago, and then I moved to the south, although I had spent a lot of time in the south, my grandparents were from the south. And we would be parked down in Alabama uh, for months at a time with our cousins. And it was just wonderful to, to be there and to have that kind of background. And uh, while, so then I moved down in my 20s to the South, married someone, and went to Auburn University and taught school. And, and what I did, um, when I did that, I... I started exploring other spiritual paths, and and at that time I became a Southern Baptist, and I did that because I my of course my mother in law really wanted me to do it. She was she was Southern Baptist, and she really felt like I needed to be saved, and I needed to to be a Southern Baptist, and so we would we went to all these different churches around our town. She said, "Let me," you know, my grandmother was. Southern Baptist, so my grandfather was Jewish, uh, and um, so so she, my grandmother, belonged to the First Baptist Church, which was pretty straight. And then there were these outline Baptist churches that were were more um, earthy, will I say? And so I found the one that I really liked called Wayside Baptist Church, and I liked them so much because of their singing. Mm -hmm. They were so full on with their singing and I so I joined the choir and I I just I loved it. That singing it, it, it was such a spiritual practice, and when I would sing, sometimes I would do solos, or sometimes we would do quartets, and people would just cry when I was singing because I just it just I, it just embodied my soul. And then at some time, at some point, uh, I realized that with the dogma of that particular uh, religion, just became too over oppressive for me. And um, I left that church and moved out west, and then I, I surprised everybody 
by what I next uh, started to participate in, and that was I became a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> and people are always surprised to hear this, but I love the witnesses because they uh, do a more intellectual approach to the Bible. They look at the historical account, and they look at the full chapter, not just cherry-picking a verse here and there, and I really enjoy that. So for three years, I would go and knock on doors and do all of that, uh, and uh, I was always full-on with my participation. And then I did a, a um, I met Michael, and I remember in, in my book, the first chapter of my book is, is the story of that first real deep encounter with him when I said, well, I get to, I want to get to know you better, but we have to talk about spiritual things. And I brought my Jehovah's Witness Bible over to his house and, and we went to his library and I told him, hey, I don't want to talk about anything but my translation of the Bible. And Michael reached back on his shelf, and I didn't realize it, but he had a whole shelf of translations of the Bible. And he pulled out the New World Translation, the Green Bible, and he said, you mean this one? And, oh, my goodness, Joanna, I thought, ooh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> but we talked all night long, yeah. all night long, and we grappled with Scripture all night long. And every time I would say, can't you see this is what it means? And he would say, yes, and you might look at it like this. And every time he said that, he expanded my horizons. He didn't negate what I was talking about. He didn't say, no, that's wrong. He just held it in a larger context, and I got so excited, I never left. <laughs> and that was nine months later, we started New Dimensions. And uh, so it was that was the birth. That was the, uh, the as Barbara Marks Hubbard would say, the supra Sexual joining of our spiritual <laughs> bodies, and and nine months later, new dimensions started, and 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 he just tossed me in the deep end of the pool into Buddhist study, and so we became we studied with some very very high level lamas and. Boy, going from directly from Jehovah's Witness to <laughs> Buddhism was was a big leap. But uh, then I did that, and I, you know, I, I continue. I must say, I continue to appreciate all of those those epics in my life and focus in my life. It's like rings of a tree that keep growing and growing and growing and and uh also the the earth center spirituality like that is expressed in paganism is important to me and and so they're all important to me but I must say that my my current my current spiritual practice besides sitting down and doing the interviews, I consider that a spiritual practice because when I'm doing an interview, nothing else is happening. I am so present in that interview, the whole world disappears except me and the guest. And that's where that that is like a deep spiritual practice for me. And the other spiritual practice for me goes back to my roots in um 
the Baptist Church, I belong to a gospel choir, Joyful Noise Gospel Choir. Now, it's not so much gospel as it is Old Testament. It's run by an African-American man who understands that these, these songs are rooted in the Old Testament and are rooted in slave days and are rooted, these, these are coded in coded uh, songs and chants that come and work songs that come out of the the time of slavery in our time and they are so filled with hope and enthusiasm and grounded in the earth and grounded in social justice and so we sing those and we sing some African songs and that it, to sing together and breathe together with other people on a regular basis for me is my deepest spiritual practice. It, it enlivens my soul. Uh, so I, I just, um, one of the things he was, he had put, he was commissioned to put some of Maya Angelou's, uh, poetry into music and we perform around, we performed at, um, at a benefit for, for Maya Angelou and, and the documentary that was made of her movie and we, we sang some of those songs. So sometimes we sing for benefit of, of, uh, Project Sanctuary or, or, or other projects that we donate any any revenues to these projects and I, I just love being there and being with these people and and singing together so that is thank you that's a long story yeah, no, about my spiritual practice and my spiritual history as so to speak but uh i just that that really is what what um has unfolded for me through the years and who knows where it's going to be going in the future oh of course Justine, uh, I was wondering if you'd be willing to say or to sing a few lines of Maya Angelou from Maya Angelou. Oh, goodness. goodness. Oh, my songbook isn't here, but what, what a uh, great... Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, there is... Um, uh, or anyone that would uh, that would uplift us. I mean, we we need the, the enthusiasm of the soul every second. Oh, how wonderful! How wonderful! Uh, let me just kind of get my head into into song in, uh, into song and and see if I can I can think of um, something. Let's see, let's see, how about, let me try it, okay. Great. I just can't give up now, come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy, and I don't believe she brought me this far to leave me. But you can imagine uh, oh. uh, that uh, if if it's done in four parts, and sure. um, you know, uh, and also you know, we we would take like that old African uh, spiritual. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is 
feel discouraged and think my work's in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. Fantastic, and I I feel very nasty, and I feel like saying, "Take that, Donald Trump!" <laughs> right, Take... we we just cannot be discouraged no and, and, and and give in to despair. It's it's that is our assignment, and whatever it is that we need to do to keep us going in in inspiring one another is is. That is our assignment. It's, we hear this over and over from different people, and we know it to be absolutely true for ourselves that we we have to do whatever it takes to go out and be out in nature and to revive our souls again, to revive our souls. It's really important that we do that, that, it, that we not give in to despair. Yeah. Definitely. Sure. Definitely, Justine, and that's why we're here, and that's why we do our weekly interviews. That's exactly what you said. I mean, I feel like, uh, I just feel like your sister. People talk about enlightenment, na-na-na-na-na, and I say, well, one hour a week, I'm in there, but it's not me, it's us. Yes, yes, it's us, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, and you know, uh, the uh, the other thought that I would have is that um, when when we look at the 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 challenges that we have in these times, Uh it's important to realize that we have the ability to change that which is close to us. All of us are connected. We all have a sphere of influence, however large or small. It doesn't matter. We have a sphere of influence. And what and, and Michael's favorite quote yes. that he said that he would say to others, he would say to me and, and others, he would say, whatever you give your fullness to will take you where you need to go. So we don't have to worry about the path so much as you know how figure it all out we what we what our assignment is is to give our fullness and bring those gifts we have to give to the world and the path will unfold for us and it it, it it's it will keep us going it will into to, to celebrate going back to celebration to celebrate those those even those small uh, accomplishments whether it's checking out at a grocery store and and spreading some kindness to the person the checkout person uh, or or helping someone across the street or smiling at someone it, it, all of those things matter they all matter every single one it's not that we have to make a 
huge. You know, remember that. Remember, uh, we years ago we had the marvelous opportunity to sit down for many, many hours with Bucky Fuller. And Bucky Fuller talked about the trim tab factor. And the trim tab factor is, uh, he explained it as the, the if you take uh, a big ship, let's say a cargo ship, and it's sailing in the ocean, and it's moving through the ocean, and if it needs to change direction, there's no amount of uh, mechanical effort that can change its direction, can move the rudder of that ship against the momentum of the direction it's going. Uh, it just is not physically possible. So engineers figured out a way to do it, and they put what they call a trim tab down the length of that big rudder on a big ship. And that trim tab, it's only a couple of inches maybe uh, wide. It's very small. But and that can be turned. It's a small tab, and it can be turned. And once that's turned, then the bigger rudder starts to be able to be turned, and then the whole ship then changes its direction. So the trim tab, and, and Bucky even has this, a call me a trim tab on his tombstone. That's what's on his uh-huh. tombstone. And it's, he, he, he just feels like this, this whole idea of a trim tab, each of us can be a trim tab. And to, to understand you are no small thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. You are a trim tab, and the whole momentum of where we're going can be changed by, by your effort, by, by your, whatever your contribution. And I just wanted to make that really explicit to people because I think it's so important. Thank you so much, Justine. I I just uh, love this time with you. And um, it's just, I'm just so grateful to you and Michael for opening the way and opening the way again and again for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to be with both you and Jose today. And and I just wish you the very, very best in all your work in Future Primitive. And just keep up the good work and keep keep broadcasting and putting out these wonderful messages of hope and, and inspiration. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.